Welcome to Color Forward, a podcast highlighting successful women who have overcome cultural adversity and mastered the art of resilience. Today's guest is Concepcion Prado. In this short episode, you'll find that even with her soothing demeanor, Concepcion is a force to be reckoned with. She's the principal and founder of Greenfield Group, a management and IT consulting firm based in Chicago. An entrepreneur at heart, Concepcion provides leadership and support of her clients' priorities to deliver excellent service, maximize impact, and increase efficiencies in their operations using creativity. She has more than 25 years of leadership experience starting other tech companies as well, including Helpdesk Inc., a wellness company that was recognized in 2002 with a new venture award presented by the National Association of Women Business Owners. Now, here are your hosts, Rosa and Madati. Thanks for being here. We're really excited to have a conversation with you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm born and raised in Chicago. I'm the daughter of Mexican immigrants, so I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. I am one of seven children. Uh, my parents uh, raised us in a Spanish-speaking household, very Catholic, and that's who I am. So I identify as Mexican-American, multicultural in the United States. I am running a company that I founded in 1997. Mm-hmm. It's a management and IT consulting company. Okay. And I founded this company as a result of solving a problem. I wanted to work. I'm in the technology field. I wanted to work, and I wasn't able to live the kind of life that I wanted, and so I decided to start a business. We know how hard it is to work and to balance a lot of things that are going on in our lives, right? And one of the things that Mirari and I talk a lot about is on top of all the things that we have to actually manage, there's other things and other barriers that we sometimes feel that we have to overcome, particularly being uh, multicultural women in, in our own spheres. In your own experience, when you decided to set up your company, what are some of the barriers? that you you think or cultural or any kind that you had to address head on to be able to be where you are now? In technology too, because not a lot of women in technology. I have been in the technology field for more than 20 years. It has evolved over time. The types of obstacles that I've encountered have varied. And I can tell you, in the early days, the obstacles were a little different than... So I'm working on a project for a client engagement And I'm working on a project team. And there's unwanted touching. Another consultant, not even on the project team that I'm working on, we just experienced that type of harassment. So you don't really know how to respond. As a consultant, I felt I didn't really have rights. Mm -hmm. It's not like I can go to the HR department and complain. I'm not an employee of this firm. So what I did is, and I didn't know any better because this is early on in my business. I didn't really know any better. My role models and my experience have been the strong women from telenovelas. Mm-hmm. How I responded to this is dramatic, loud, do not touch me. Other people heard it, including the managing sponsor of my team. He didn't say anything, and I didn't know, but he observed, and he heard me. So this consultant 
wasn't just harassing me, harassed somebody else who was an employee of the organization. And that employee did go to HR. So eventually he was fired, but he was fired because there was a case that was built against this consultant. And that to me is a good outcome. It's a good story because it's a good outcome. You'd want to see that companies are protecting their employees and protecting the people on the teams. And this is what happened. So that's early on in my career. I'm older now and <laughs> I don't get harassed, which is good, but I've also learned how to uh, stand up for myself and I've also learned how to just put boundaries up front. Nice. And we learn those things as a result of those kinds of experiences early on. One of the things we've had one of our guests in the podcast talk to us about our ability, particularly as uh, women of color, to be able to discriminate against some of the biases that come our way in a way that we can manage them and compartmentalize and then move on and really learn from our experience to quickly bounce back and moving on. How do you relate to that yourself? Is that something that you apply to who you are and how you manage your, your business? We have to learn how to respond. And there are times when I respond correctly, perhaps, and we learn. And other times I learned maybe I didn't respond so well. And I have to choose another way of responding. And how have you dealt to your point, they call them aggressive, or you're just too passionate about that, or, but that is common. I mean, we see the research, women of color, specifically African-American women are called aggressive. Growing up, we're not supposed to be uh, Latina. So I'm female, I'm Latina. And growing up, you're not supposed to be vocal. Yes. We're raised to be non-vocal. You know that expression, calladita, te ves más bonita? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we have to put that away. And we cannot, in this world, in today's times, we just cannot adapt or even, I, I try not to say it even, but I'm using it as an example. And I handle it by being vocal. I want to do the opposite of that. And I want to be vocal. I try to do it in a way that is a friendly way, but sometimes it just doesn't come out the way I, you know, it could be. No, I agree. And I think even Rosa, I'm sure you got some examples as well, but we are vocal in those things in our jobs specifically, or even at home, I have a, a young daughter, so I make sure that I am vocal. But we're still getting labeled as too passionate about that, or it's because you're Latina, you're just passionate. I mean, they don't look at it as like, no, it's because I want the right thing right? Or it's because I want to win. You know, how do women manage during a time where you still do not have a high percentage of women in, you know, senior vice presidents or, or CEO roles, right? So how damaging is that? And, and where's the balance? We talk a lot about having a network of mm -hmm. support of other women. And I'm thinking about you being entrepreneur and finding yourself alone, I imagine, right, in your yeah. position, because you are not only creating the business, but as you said, I didn't have an HR department that I could go to. I have friends that are have been friends of mine for more than 30 years. These are childhood friends. Counted on them to just share things sometimes. Yeah. And then there is the corporate network. Yeah. There is a global corporate network. And I have learned to build on that over the years. And so one of the ways that I've built this network is I went to Chicago Booth School of Business. I got my MBA. And through that program, I really learned the value of networking. 
I've learned how to build that network, how to engage that network. And so now I'm more proactive. So the way we do it is by being proactive. I meet with my cohorts, with my colleagues. I send them emails. I ask them questions. We meet for coffee. We meet for lunch. I host events. I try to bring them together because I think that it's important that we uplift. So building our network means we want to uplift others. And I think through lifting others, I get lifted. And it helps me deal with the complexities of managing a business. And I definitely go and talk with that cohort of women. They're not always all available, but whoever's around at the time, I think it's good. Find opportunities to lift ourselves by lifting others. So you mentioned entrepreneur in technology, single mom, two daughters. What keeps you going? I am very proud of my kids and they are the little engine. They're that little engine that makes me run because I want the best for them and I'm working and everything that I'm doing is uh, for my kids. Mm. It's a very <laughs> cultural <laughs> response, and, but that is really the... No, I think it's important. I think yeah. it's important. I mean, they, I do what I do because I want a f- better future for them. So I think if anything, we want to make sure that listeners know that it can be done right? And that whatever their dreams are, they can make it come true. Yes, there may be some sacrifices, but at the end of the day is to lift our families, to lift, our, at least for me, to lift my children and uh, for other women out there to see, you know what? I can, I can try it. There's also a part of me that wants to and does desire to honor the work and the sacrifice that my parents did to come to this country. Yes. They worked so hard raising seven children They helped bring the relatives from the village that they, remote village in Mexico. And I want to make them proud Mm -hmm. as well. So I I want to honor my parents and make them proud. But I also want to build and see a world where my daughters will thrive. Mm -hmm. And for that, this generation, for that, we want to resolve some of the problems that women are facing today so that they can have a easier path. One of the things that, particularly in this series, that we're looking at is social entrepreneurship. And in conversations that we've had and we continue to have with women of color that really break them all, get out of maybe mainstream or corporate America to create their own enterprise, their own uh, business, we see an aspect of that business that it's really focused on impacting the community in which they they live and they come from. What what do you think that comes from? I can tell you my business is for profit and I care about contributing to society by building a a firm that gives jobs, that provides jobs, that helps the economy as a whole. Mm. I see myself as a minority and a minority with the technical skills and the background that I have. I am able to, I feel that I can contribute to the betterment of society by using my background to improve the areas or the spaces where we can eliminate inequalities, for example. Technology, it could be used for good. 
by leveling the playing field in our systems, in our local governments. Where this podcast and and this idea stems from is exactly alluding to what you just described for both Mirari and I. We're in a position that we think we can actually put this together to provide a voice and and a relateness to some of you know the issues that women like us are facing and, and just give an avenue to listen to experiences that folks might use for themselves to then, as you said, take a stand sometimes on something that you feel that it's not appropriate or it doesn't allow you to advance or to enter into your own, you know, journey to achieve whatever goal that you that you have for yourself. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about earlier is how the positions that we have, right, how are we leveraging, to your point, to level the playing field? We have to identify it and tell our stories. And I'm glad to be here and be able to share. I, I hope it helps in some way or somebody can relate to the experiences that yeah, we're having. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stories that we carry because of who we are have ingrained a, a lot of rule breaking that we <laughs> that we have to do to be where we're at, right? And not conform with what maybe others think that uh, we should do or stand for. What rules would you say? Concepcion, you think you've you've broken to be here? All of my life, I've been sort of challenging mm-hmm. the status quo. Big examples, I went to college. I am the first in my family to have a bachelor's degree, the first to have a college degree and have a profession. Mm-hmm. My two older sisters, they opted to get married. They were married by 20, 21, and they had their kids very young, and I didn't want that for myself. So I went off to college, and I didn't know how or what I was doing, but I somehow figured out to navigate the formal education, and I got a degree, and I have a profession. So that was the very first rule, I think. That was not the expectation for me mm-hmm. my, by my parents. Another rule that I broke, and I um, it challenged my family, is that I have children, my two children that I have, is by single motherhood by choice. So, you know, culturally, I was supposed to get married and you have two-parent households, and I just didn't do that. (laughs) I have two children, and both of my children, I had them as a single parent by choice. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a single parent by choice, and that's a rule. And there are more and more women that are uh, celebrities and more and more women who are choosing that option. And same uh, gender households that are choosing their option. That is a challenge for me uh, in our culture that we that I come from. I love to hear that because I think it goes back to uh, the stand that you're taking in terms of how you drive your business as a sense also of responsibility to make a difference in the society in which we live. And with the example and choosing to break that barrier as well, you're opening up doors in this case. That must have been something that was not the norm, let alone in your community, right? And, 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 And being one of you know, being an entrepreneur in that way to break through, you opened up a lot of doors for women. And sometimes you need those role models to see like, wow, you know, if she went through that, I can go through that too and more, right? I think that was a bold decision. I did think about it. It was not careless. I just, I wanted to be a parent. You know, it's that ticking clock. 
<laughs> I'm in my mid-30s, and it's that ticking clock. I'm going to do it. What a story. Right. She said that she was at Booth at the business school and I was working there in leadership development at the time. So she was one of the students that went through the program that I created there. And women in technology, yeah. that's just something that continued to come up as right. not enough women. So for her to have a successful career, yeah. owner of the company at that, on top of being a single mother, right. it just goes to show you. Uh, women are very powerful and can do a lot. You know, I continue to go back to this sense of responsibility and I think helping define, I know we're focusing on social entrepreneurship, but the way that she defined it, it's, I want to say interesting, but it's, it's actually quite purposeful, right? It's like how you take a stand uh, because of who you are, what you bring to the table and how things move forward and you are kind of a catalyst for change being what she did in terms of how she providing jobs for others but also her own personal story about wanting to become a, a parent and being the role model for other family members yeah, yeah. yeah no i love that and i think the other thing is you know that that sense of if i don't do this then who mm. right and for her to be able to do that and be an example to her other brothers and sisters is just an amazing story. As I was listening to her, I said, like, wow, I'm so fortunate. <laughs> I'm actually fortunate because I'm thinking this idea that she talked about the network. And yes. you and I do a lot about this because yes. of our jobs. We organize an infrastructure networks for others. And I was thinking, wow, aren't we fortunate yes. in a way, right? Because if you don't have that belonging to an organization, and even for her, she mentioned how going through booths, made a difference for her. And automatically there was a network that she could count on. So just wonder for those who don't have the ability to quickly belong or being part of something bigger that automatically will give them that. What are your thoughts around that for those of us who are listening in terms of you know, because yeah. it's not just knowing, but it's also, so how do I go about it? I mean, networking, it's, it's a full-time job. It all goes back to that resiliency, right? What is important to you? What are your intentions? You know, just like she said, I want to be a mom, so I'm going to find out what it is I need to do. I want to be a business owner so that I can take care of my personal and professional side and even a person in technology. So I think it's about being intentional, knowing what you want, but also the resiliency behind it. To me, it's about what fuels you because at the end of the day just like she mentioned a long time ago when she started there was discrimination different discrimination there's still discrimination today as you and I know some more subtle than others but if you're not resilient in moving forward when those discrimination things happened even if you speak up right. it's going to hold you back so it almost goes back to what we were talking about earlier. How long do you dwell over an issue before you get up and move on? Because you know you got business to take care of, whether personal or professional. That ability to bounce back quickly, some, some folks have it in their DNA and could care less. Yeah. And some others, you know, this idea of taking things personally, we should find a way of like, let it go. Yes. <laughs> right? I read about this and, you know, Maybe some of the ways that I do it is I got to make sure that in my life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically I'm balanced so that when big moments, negative moments come in, in my life, I can 
rebound easier because if my health is not okay, then it's going to be harder. I feel if my spiritual side is not okay, it's going to be harder. If emotionally with my family or mentally with my kids, if things are not okay, at least that's my formula. It's about how I stay resilient is being able to take care of all these different areas in my life so that when discrimination comes at you or when somebody says the wrong things or when a door closes, I could keep going towards what I know I want or my purpose is. I used to do a program years ago at one of the companies I used to work for and it was about creating possibility rather than solving for problems. And rather than asking the questions like what is the problem that we have to solve, it's, it's saying like what is the possibility that you're trying to create? I love it. It might sound minor, but it's a completely different frame of reference or mindset as you approach whatever it is that you're trying to uh, that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. No, that's a good point because if you are saying, "Okay, I want to be an executive," but instead you imagine being the possibility of an executive with a family and you know not being so stressed, is you create the possibilities instead of just going after one thing, right? I love it. Or looking for problems. I mean, you yeah. love that, uh, right? It's like, oh, okay, I solved this problem. Now, what is the other one? Because I want to solve it. No, that, I mean, there are problems that we need to yeah, solve. Yeah, no, of course. For sure. <laughs> but if you just spend your life trying to find all the problems and solve them, then you'll be exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be exhausted. So. I'm learning so much yeah. from these powerful women. That was Rosa Santos and Mirari Simeon interviewing Concepcion Prado, principal and founder of Greenfield Group, a management and IT consulting firm. For more inspiring stories, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show, send us a DM on Instagram at colorforwardpod. I'm Elisa Monjadas, producer of Color Forward. Thanks for joining us, and please leave us a review.